You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. All right, we got a good one for you guys tonight. Sheena Quick, she's part of the Panthers beat with Fox Sports Radio, 1340 AM. She's laying down the Panthers 411 on Queen City News. She also runs a podcast, Why Vashti Hurt, called Quick Blitz. Sheena does it all. Sheena, it's so <laughs> good to have you on Panthers on Tap. Thank you guys for having me and accommodating me. I'm, I feel so flattered that you guys even invited me on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's good to have you. And there, there's a lot of happening around Panthers Nation right now. We finally got to hear from Ben McAdoo today. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway um, from that conversation, you were in, a, in that press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about traits and readiness at the QB position. Talk about that a little bit. He, he said he was a big swing for the fences kind of guy. Yeah, and I mean, the thing about it, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. We're nine days out from the draft. No one's trying to tip their hand, especially because it is anticipated that some teams will try to jump to take their quarterback if necessary. So I wasn't shocked that he was a little, you know, veiled in his responses, but I just, I really did want to get his opinion on this quarterback class, just because that's all you hear is that, uh, especially when it pertains to the Panthers, Panthers is there's no one in this draft class that's better than Sam Darnold. None of these guys are ready. The Panthers need somebody ready on, on week one. So that's why I really wanted to pick his brain. And I really wanted to know what his role would be in the war room next week when it comes time to pick. I know a lot of people have called him, not necessarily the quarterback whisperer, but they were very, you know, I guess, enthusiastic as far as what he brings to the Panthers, seeing as how they have struggled at that position for the past, at least what, four seasons now, maybe five. Mm-hmm. Would you say, I, I would say it's fair to say they've kind of struggled to find stability at that, at that position. And so um, I just wanted to know how, you know, involved he would be. And he said that he basically, um, he, he didn't want to give too much away. He said he hasn't had his draft meeting yet. He's like, oh, we haven't drafted yet. And I'm like, I know that, but what can you tell us? So it yeah. seems like he and Fit are pretty, pretty tight-lipped and holding those cards close to their chest. But um, just in judging from other draft analysts, they feel like Malik Willis is not a week one starter. Um, but as you said, Coach McAdoo says he likes to swing for the fences. So maybe he feels like if they do take Malik Willis, that he can get him ready. There's just no one can tell you what the Panthers are going to do next Thursday. Like no matter what they say, no one knows what this team is going to do other than fit in Matt rule. And that may change at the last minute. Do you get a sense though, that McAdoo has some say in that room? I think so. I think it would be wise for him to have some say in that room. They're over two on, you know, veteran quarterbacks in the off season under Matt rule. So something has to shake, you know, and, and, you know, he had success in New York with, uh, with Eli Manning. So I, I do think that he has, he's definitely going to have some say so in that position and rightfully so. Yeah. Another big thing he said, he was, he was a big believer in the brand. He, he mentioned the brand a lot and we can get into the brand all, all day, all night long. But what I thought was interesting is why wasn't this guy, the offensive coordinator from the start? I mean, he looked like he was preaching Matt rule more than Joe Brady was when Joe Brady came in. It was interesting. I think, 
I mean, the thing about it is Matt Rule is cutting his teeth and he's just happening to do it on a huge, huge stage. You know, it wasn't like he was a, you know, he was hired and, oh, you know, this guy, we're going to give him a couple of years. He's coming out of college. He was hired as one of the highest paid coaches. So that immediately put the scrutiny on him. They're like, okay, what did David Tepper see for him to throw this seven year contract at this guy, you know, with no NFL head coaching experience, no NFL coordinator experience. And so we're kind of seeing him go through the growing pains. It just sucks that it's on such a large stage. And um, Matt Rule told us when Joe Brady was terminated that that was a deviation from his norm. He's not used to hiring guys that he doesn't have a history with. And so he and McAdoo both have the New York connection, but they weren't there together. So that could be a reason why as well. So I, I know they touched on it a little bit at the press conference, um, but uh, Sheena, what, what kind of changes can we expect going from Joe Brady to, to McAdoo and the style of offense that they're going to be running? Um, well, he was adamant that they're gonna you're gonna see some shotgun and you're gonna see some under center. That's about all that he would tell us. By the way, I love your Vince Carter jersey in the background. Thank and you. I was totally <laughs> I was a huge Vince Carter fan um, just growing up and things like that when he was in Carolina. But Same. back on topic, back on topic. Um, I think that this this offense is going to finally deal with the reality that Christian McCaffrey might not always be available. And I think the last two seasons has been so McCaffrey centric that is completely, completely crippled. And you can kind of attribute that to the quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey is a really, really good safety, safety tool to have for checkdowns and things like that. But um, with McAdoo, if you are going to swing for the fences and you're going to air that thing out and lengthen the field, that's going to be the difference that I think you'll see in that offense this year is, is more um, versatility. Even though Matt Rule loves to run it, that, you know, they just haven't had the luxury of having, you know, their Swiss Army running back available for more than 10 games in the last two years. Yeah, one thing McAdoo mentioned that I, that I like to hear was he wants to run the ball, but he wants to run the ball on their own terms, not, you know, just, just force feed, just run the ball to run the ball. So I liked hearing yeah. that um, as a Panthers fan. Adjustments, in-game adjustments is what I heard. Yes, third heard quarter. Yes. Man, they better figure that I out. I heard him say that. I was like, in-game adjustments, <laughs> in-game adjustments. Because Absolutely. that's literally been one of the Panthers' Achilles heels. And it's like you could have a lights out first, first half, and then the other team acclimates and they adjust to what you're doing, but you continue to do what you did in the first half. It's just no longer working. So it sounds like he's willing to make those in-game adjustments and not – you know, force feed, you know, a smash mouth type of offensive approach just because they want to run the ball. So that was refreshing to hear. Yeah, amen to that. We got to talk about Rock Hill a little bit here, too, because that was a big day today, too. It finally came to Tepper's real estate company finally talked, not even David Tepper himself, but Look, David Tepper said he's not giving y'all anything, okay? <laughs> he does not, he does not care. He is not saying anything radio silence anything. what does this mean though is this me like is this a done deal it's not going to happen to rock hill or is there still hope here that there can be something hashed out it's going to have to take jesus christ himself oh, wow. and make that thing happen especially like you know in, in anytime soon i mean david tepper has his hands full you know you got Matt Rule and he's on the hot seat. You need to have to get this this football team back on at least a winning trajectory. Even if it's not playoffs this year, they have to win more than five games. Um, then he has the soccer team, and then with things falling apart in Rock Hill, it was just kind of like, you know. So um, it, it's never a dull moment in the off season with the Carolina Panthers. Like there's always something going on. 
Do you have so a side? Do you have a side sheet in, in that in the Rock Hill stuff? Do you do you s- more sympathetic to Tepper on this or the politics of Rock Hill? Like, what's what's your take on that? I mean, you you have to honor your contracts, and it's so ironic to say when it's when it's dealing with an NFL owner because the NFL doesn't necessarily you know guarantee contracts except for a small few. So you have to honor your contract terms. And I know a lot of people that are, you know, pissed off with David Tepper from a football standpoint. They're like, oh, this is all on David Tepper. The Panthers can't get anything going. But Rock Hill had to hold up their side of the bargain as well. It's not like Mm -hmm. they're not getting the advantage in the commercial and capitalistic advantage of having the team there. Me, I'm fine either way because I live in Valentine. So whether they're in Rock Hill or Uptown, it's still 25 minutes from my house. So I'm just (laughs) in the middle anyway. There you go. So so how damning is it for David Tepper, I, I know there, there was like a, it was either a senator or a, a congressman uh, said, you know, we thought we were getting Jerry Jones and we got Dan Snyder. Like, how damning is that for David Tepper? Well, first of all, that is not fair. I mean, you can be pissed, but the man is not <laughs> Dan Snyder. I want to know what Dan Snyder has on the NFL and how he still has a team because he should have definitely gotten the Donald Sterling treatment by now. Mm. You know, they got Donald Sterling up out of there. I don't know what Dan Snyder has on anyone. Um, they got Jerry Richardson up out of there. So I don't know what he has yeah. on anyone. But he I, I think that's the unfair. Dan assessment. Snyder might be, be the Epstein. And he's got <laughs> he, he so. there is going to be a lot so. that fall. I think so, too. And that might be why he has not fallen yet. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, let's let's talk. Let's get back to the let's get back to the football side of things. Because Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo just seem to stick and pop up in the Panthers conversation. So let's start with Baker. Where do things stand with him? What have you heard with the with Baker's camp and um, with this Panthers team? And I haven't heard anything from, from Baker's camp, but with um, as far as the source that's very close to team operations um, told me yesterday, yesterday's Monday, right? yesterday that really nothing's happening other you know you, you're getting all the headlines and the, the think pieces and the sound bites and things like that but the truth of the matter is nothing's happening right now the Panthers interest in, ba- in Baker Mayfield is the same due diligence that they would have in any free agent quarterback but no it's, it's very 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 unlikely that a deal will be made before the draft and it makes sense when you sit back and look at it it's not like this is like you know some genius move or chess move or anything like that. Anything like that. It just doesn't make sense to make a move on Baker before you know a if you're going to pick at six, who's going to be available at six, and what the Browns are going to do with their contract, his contract, because his contract is essentially the same as, the, as Sam Darnold's. It's eighteen point eight, and no one's willing to pick that up right now. The Browns are inevitably going to have to eat a portion of that, as would the Panthers if they're trying to move Sam Darnold. So. Um, he, we could even see some stuff happen during the draft, depending on, again, who's there at six and if the Panthers feel like they need to stay in that spot or if they can trade back and get in, and re, recap some of the draft capital they lost in the trades for C.J. Henderson and Sam Darnold. But it doesn't make sense for them to move on Baker Mayfield before next Thursday. It makes so you would say sense. during or at, you would even say during or after? Is that it's possible? It's, it's definitely possible that they could they could make a move for him or Jimmy G during the draft, but I don't see anything happening before that. Do you, do you think- get the sense? Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Uh, do you get the sense that they favor one over the other, uh, Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? Um, on that, I can't speak of. It's just that you hear about Baker a lot more. Yeah. You yeah. hear about Baker a lot more. And that could possibly be because Baker's talking. 
We really sure. haven't had, mm-hmm. we haven't seen Jimmy G on, out on any podcasts or things like that. And, you know, with social media, it definitely makes the news cycle a lot more in your face. And it, all it takes is one viral clip and everyone's going to run with it. And I think that that's the consensus of it is that, you know, Baker has been in the news more with the Deshaun Watson acquisition and him falling out with the Haslams and them making the comments that they made. And he's on podcast and he's, you know, just saying whatever he wants to say. I think that's the reason that you hear Baker a lot more than you hear Jimmy G, but both of them are coming off of injury. So I just don't see the value. And Jimmy G has a contract also that's an issue. So I just, it's anyone's game. If anyone says they know, like I said, if anyone says they know what the Panthers are doing next Thursday, Unless you are Scott Fitterer, Matt Ruler, David Tepper, I just there's no way you can know. Now, Sheena, you talked about the trade back. You were the one who asked Scott Fitterer about it about a week or so ago. If you had to put a percentage on it, just from your 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 take, what is the likelihood the Panthers actually pick at six? It's going to depend if one of those two quarterbacks that they are high on is gone by six. If one of them are gone by six, you may see them trade back a little bit. Um, right now, it's definitely a 50-50 toss-up. And who are they high on? It, who are they high on? Out. Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, for sure. Okay, okay. Interesting. So do you think there's a possibility where Aquanu or Neil are there and one of the QBs? Do you think Do you think they go the tackle route if they have both options on the table? I don't think they're going to have both options. Okay. So you think the tackles will be gone? I think so. Uh, either the tackles or the QBs, I don't think both will be there. Interesting. And do you think they have a preference at one of the top three tackles if it was a Quanu, Neal, or Cross? I do not. I like Cross, though. And, of course, I like a Quanu because, you know, the NC State connection. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with any three of those guys. But the quarterback position is what has taken center stage, and we haven't heard them talk a lot. We know that, you know, taking a tackle is going to – more than likely going to happen in this draft, but the quarterback is such a prestige position and, you know, it's, it's the glitzy position. So that's what we've heard the most about, but they will, they are hosting um, left tackles this week for mm-hmm. the top 30 visits. Interesting. You know, I hate to bring another beat reporter up about this. Cause I, I just want to get your take <laughs> on this, but Jonathan yeah. Alexander said he'd be shocked if the Panthers took Kenny Pickett at six. I don't know if that was his personal opinion. That wasn't clarified, but where where is this team at with Pickett? You hear the he committed to Temple, then decommitted. Tepper went to school at Pitt. Is that is there any weight to any of that, or is that just you know Mel Kiper and Tom McShay putting that down in, in their reasoning? Well, to be fair, McShay and Kiper are. Um, I mean, I get where they're coming from with that because Matt Rule does have a lot of Temple and Baylor ties to guys that are on the roster. I know you guys didn't forget about that athletic article where they talked oh, yeah. about the fact they were like, oh, you know, there's guys on this team that are literally on a roster just because they went to Temple of Baylor. No one specified any names, yeah. but that could be one of the things that's working against Kenny Pickett because Matt Rule could be wanting to go away, away from, from that. that. Who, know, who knows? But I think that um, if they had their pick, I think it would be Malik Willis. I think that if Malik Willis is available, you go get Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I think Kenny Pickett is the bridesmaid in this situation. And I know, you know, like we talked about readiness. That's why I asked um, Matt could do the question earlier is that people say the biggest difference between Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis is they don't, they think that Malik Willis is more raw and that Kenny Pickett is more like starter ready. But you just, honestly, you don't, you know, you never know when it comes to these rookies, because just a couple of years ago, 
Baker Mayfield was number one and Sam Darnold was number three. And right now people are talking about them like they're, you know, gum on the on the bottom of your shoe. So you, you just never know, you know, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are undoubtedly having the best careers out of those five quarterbacks taken in that first round a couple of years ago. No one even talks about Josh Rosen. So I think you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, he might not be quarterback. He might not be NFL ready right now as it speaks. But who knows what OTAs, training camp and Ben McAdoo can do. What about Matt Corral? We've we've heard Matt Corral surface. I think he's going to be the sleeper in the draft. I think he's going to be the sleeper. A lot of people aren't really talking about him um, mainstream, but he's kind of slowly creeping up that draft board amongst people that are looking at his film. Curious. This is just based on your opinion of this team. Do you think the Panthers are a quarterback and a left tackle away from contending? I think they're a quarterback and a left tackle away from Matt Rule keeping his job. <laughs> that's the important part for him. Yeah, that's the important part because that's what a lot of people have to remember going into this draft. This isn't a let's draft a project and see. Time is of the essence right now. Now, if this was were his first or second year, yeah, you may, which is why they probably should have taken Jason. Justin Fields last year, but you know, mm. not crying over spilled milk or anything like that. But right now, time is of the essence. And that was why going into Indy, I didn't think there was any way, anyhow, they would be drafting a rookie quarterback. I was like, there's no way Matt Rule is going to hinge his future on a rookie quarterback. All of that changed once we got to Indy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we started to get the scouting reports and, and, and the opinions of the quarterbacks because everyone had, everyone's basically putting this quarterback class down as though, uh, yeah, let's wait till next year as though, like, you know, they're all chopped liver. I think you're going to see some surprises come out of this draft class. And I think that Matt Rule's job security and stability will weigh in on how well this team on, on how on the decision making this year, obviously, and how well this team gels. I think that the defense is solid as long as everyone remains healthy. And the big question mark on offense is going to always be Christian McCaffrey until we can see him for more than a couple of games. You get a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I like the moves that have been made on the offensive line. If you get a hit with this quarterback position, not just and that. And that's why a lot of people are kind of not so super high on Baker Mayfield or Jimmy. G. They're like, OK, you know, we're tired of, you know, middle of the road quarterbacks. We need a game changer. We need somebody that's not going to necessarily fill Cam Newton shoes, prime Cam Newton shoes, but somebody that's going to give the fan base something excitable, something to, to cheer about, where if they get with get in the red zone, they're going to come away with something instead of turning the ball over. It's small steps to be made. And so I don't know if they're just a quarterback and a left tackle away from being contenders, but I do think that getting those positions right would definitely afford Matt Rules some more time to grow his brand. All right, the big question then. Well, no, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this first. <laughs> Defensive end, you hear that that came up a little bit that you know that's not out of the realm. I think it's out of the realm. I think they're crazy if they go defense first round. But is there pressure to replace Hassan Reddick? Well, Phil Snow said that he doesn't really feel the pressure. He, they're going to use um, a number of different guys to fill that other edge opposite of Brian Burns. Um, he mentioned Itor Gross Matos, who um, he's due a season. He's, he's, he's been played by injury a bit. And then you have some of the bigger corners. Um, so they're, they're going to be find, trying to find a way to replace his productivity. I don't know that you can duplicate it, but I don't get the sense that they're going DN in the draft. If they go defensive in the draft, I don't think it'll be first round. But I do know that he mentioned that they still need a safety. 
So yeah, I don't think was, it'll be the. I, I think their first defensive pick will be a safety instead of a defensive end. If I well, had to, I'll tell you, I, I'm ready for the Marquis Haynes breakout season. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's he always seems like he's a player two away, right? Yes, absolutely. That's the, that's this team though. This team will be like clicking on all cylinders except for one, and then that cylinder will finally click, and then another one's off. And we saw that last year. In the Washington game, everybody was super high on Cam Newton being back, and the defense decided to take the day off. Yeah, I mean, they had Taylor <laughs> Heineke was out there balling, and I was like, wait a minute now. Dotting them up out there. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. – and then you get the, get the games like the New York Giants game where, you know, you have um, Daniel Jones out there, OBJ, and then it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you know, so it's just about this team. I know you guys hear it all the time, and it's super cliche, complimentary football, but they're going to have to find a way to play complimentary football. And I yeah. think that the the middle of the the middle of the pack quarterbacks, I think, I think the, the fan base is done with that. I think David Tepper is done with that. You're 0 for 2. You know, you brought Sam Darnold in, pick up, picked up that option, which still is bewildering to me. Lost those draft picks. You bring Teddy Bridgewater in. You pay him a, a contract that really isn't that much more than you or that much less than you would have been paying Cam Newton to just finish out the contract he was on. Um, and then, you know, you're paying. So last season they were paying Teddy Bridgewater, who was Cam's replacement, paying Sam Darnold, who was Teddy Bridgewater's replacement. And then you turn around and had to pay Cam Newton again. So I think that they're trying to avoid, you know, a catastrophe like that again. And I think that you got to, at this point, if you're, if you're going to swing for the fences, swinging for the fences to me means you draft your rookie quarterback and start the new era of your team. You've seen Jimmy G, you've seen Baker Mayfield. Now, if Carolina picks at six, do you think, I just, I can't buy that the Panthers are not going to have a pick in the second or third round. If they pick at six, do you think they're going to, wheel and deal and figure out some sort of trade to get back in day two they have to they ha they have to i don't know how they're going to do it but they're going to have to do it i think that if you trade back from six um you take the risk of the quarterback that you want not being there but i think that's why they're doing due diligence on everyone so if one quarterback is gone and they do trade back maybe you know later in the first round or even second round you can see them take sam howell i mean it, it they can go any any way with this but i i don't see them going all of day two without a pick. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I feel like Scott's Scott's wheels are turning for sure. I, I don't see them going the whole day two. Think about all those picks he made last year. I just I don't see them going yeah, all of day two without a draft pick. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Well, if you had to pick today, I'm putting you on the hot seat a little bit. Carolina at six. You think they're going tackle or quarterback, and you have to choose one. Quarterback. You do think it's quarterback. Okay. Interesting, because you, you mm -hmm. see the hesitancy with some of these people. It's going to be tackle. It's going to be tackle. I'm recently. telling you, before before Indy, I thought if they picked if they picked, I was like, there's no way they're going to pick a, pick a quarterback. And all I kept thinking about was Charles Cross, Charles Cross, Charles Cross, because they had Icky going at number one by the time we got to Indy. That's obviously switched up. Um, they have a defensive end going one now to to the Jaguars. Um, you know, and you got the sense that the top three tackles would be gone in the first five picks. So then when, when you look at it that way, it's like, OK, it's either Charles Cross or it's going to be a quarterback. But again, like I said, I was thinking there was no way that he was going to tie his future to a rookie quarterback. But then when I think about it, a rookie quarterback could buy him a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. It's a rookie. So it's a lot of different ways to think about this thing. But if I since you're going to make me choose, I'm going to say quarterback. <laughs> I'm going to go quarterback. Bryson, 
go ahead with your uh, question there. Yes. So um, I am the Cam Newton stand of, of the podcast. Um, I got, you know, his, his jersey chilling back there with uh, Vince Carter. So um, I know you tweeted earlier, you know, there, there you haven't heard anything else new um, as of late. But, uh, you know, I thought last season him coming back, it was one of my best football memories of all time of, you know, him returning home with the – with the song playing and him coming out with, you know, in the that's what I'm saying. The defense <laughs> took the day off. I'm like, hey, yeah. did y'all, but did y'all not get the memo that Cam Newton was back? And this is yes, a big game. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, is there still hope that Cam Newton could be a Carolina Panther uh, this upcoming season? That's possible, but you're not going to hear anything until after the draft. You're not going to hear anything um, until after the draft. But what was interesting is that he definitely was trying to help them get Deshaun Watson. Mm. He he was instrumental in 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 the recruitment of of Deshaun Watson to Carolina. Really interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing that article. I can't remember who wrote it or where it was from, but like they had extended a contract to him to be Watson's backup and like mentor him or what or whatever. And that yes, they they hadn't like there wasn't any other movement on that like uh, since the dominoes had fell for Watson to Cleveland. Well, it wasn't that Deshaun Watson had to sign for Cam Newton to sign, but that was the capacity, particularly in that situation. He would have been the backup to Deshaun okay. Watson, and he he definitely was um, working to get him to Carolina. I will say, I do know that for sure. Wow. Okay. Do you think that played into them bringing him back? I know that's crazy to think about, but I remember tweeting that out in fall. I'm like, maybe this was some sort um, of master plan to get Deshaun here was to bring Cam back. I don't think so. I think it was desperation. I mean, what else were they going to do? Yeah. I think it was a desperation move. I think that it was a, um, you know, I know David Tepper, when, when Thomas Davis and um, Greg Olson retired, when they did their retirement speeches, he mentioned that, you know, he was like, there's, there's one player that we need to get back here to make things right. Mm-hmm. No yeah. one knew at that time that he was going to bring Cam Newton back, but they knew that he was saying that one day, maybe later down the road, that maybe he'll sign a one day contract type thing. He, he mentioned want, wanting to bring him back. No one knew that it would be that quickly. Um, and I just think that it was out of a move of necessity more so than like, you know, a chess move. Gotcha. All I'm saying is give me Cam Newton and Malik Willis and I will be a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a happy camper. Who knows? We'll, we'll, so. know next thir- we'll know next Thursday. Well, Sheena, we just want to thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Panthers on Tap podcast. We truly admire your work me. from afar. Thank Seriously. You, so much. you do you do some great work and you're a hell of a cook. I follow you on TikTok. Yes. I'm watching some of your food meals. <laughs> I mean, my yeah, goodness. I made some I made some honey chipotle chicken tacos today. So oh my goodness. Oh I'm my a goodness! Bit late. The guys are like, "Is it Taco Tuesday?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! We just want to thank Sheena Quick again for coming on to the Panthers on Tap podcast. Always great to have her on. I'm so glad she gave us some time. A lot of good insight into the Carolina Panthers ahead of the NFL draft, which is next week, Thursday. All right, Bryson. Let's let's talk about our QB rankings. Last week we did uh, we focused on the offensive line. We looked at some of the tackles that could be there for the Panthers um, and some other guards and centers. This week, we're focusing, we're going to be about a week out from the draft. And it's see, all cards are pointing right now to either tackle or quarterback for the Panthers at six. So let's get, let's go. I'm going to let you start. We're going to go one to five, your QB rankings. You can go into as much detail as you want, but who do you have at number one? 
at quarterback? Yeah, at number one, it's, it's, it's been the same guy for a long time for me now, and it's Malik Willis. Uh, he uh, has the highest ceiling, in my opinion, out of any quarterback in this draft, which is a, a, a lot of people's opinion. Uh, and he's, you know, you could tell from his pro day, he's a high-character guy. Um, watching some of his tape, he's just – he has elite speed and a dynamic ability to run the ball. Um, and then the best arm strength in the class, in my opinion – he throws the ball and it looks like it's being shot out of a cannon um, every time he throws it. The velocity uh, is is you know very high and he, that might be something that he has to dial back a little bit. Honestly, uh, he he throws with great anticipation and he typically makes the right decision when throwing. Um, from what what I saw, uh, you know he, he may need to sit a year. That might be best for him, uh, like Trey Lance did uh, behind a quarterback just to learn offense a little bit more and dive more into the playbook, but. For each of these quarterbacks, I did a, a uh, ceiling and a floor comparison um, for for the quarterbacks, and that's just I didn't go into you know extreme uh, analytic comparison, but just for fun, uh, I think that Malik Willis ceiling could be uh, what we saw in Carolina before with Cam Newton. I think that he has the ability that all the abilities that Cam Newton had um, coming out of Auburn and coming to Carolina. And I think that Malik Willis can um, be that kind of quarterback, you know, in the right situation with learning an offense and, and being able to process on the NFL level. And I think that his floor would be like uh, the bad Jalen Hurts, um, the Jalen Hurts that misses throws and the Jalen Hurts that, kind of just looks like he's lost. Uh, I think that that could be Malik Willis's floor. Um, you know, he has the highest ceiling, but I think that he has one of the lowest floors as well. Uh, I think it's it, – for him, it would be best to get in a situation, like I said, where he sits a year and he learns a playbook and and learns, you know, gets coached. So, you know what Matt Rule says, the harder you get coached, the harder than we have to coach. So, uh, just wanted to <laughs> – so yeah, I, I think that Malik Willis is is the number one quarterback in this draft, uh, highest ceiling, and I think that he, when all said and done, will be the best quarterback. Do you want to fire away with your two, three, four, and five right away? Sure. Uh, number two is um, Matt Corral for me. So I have gone back and forth with Corral and Pickett as the number two quarterbacks in this draft. I think that it could go either way, you know, depending on who you talk to. Um, Corral has the fastest release in this class. He throws the ball extremely fast um, in the pocket and on the run. Uh, he can make throws off any platform. Uh, I, like I mentioned on a previous episode, this is a guy who completed 70% of his passes in the SEC last season, and he made a big jump under Lane Kiffin, which is what you would want to see um, going into a pro-style offense that, that he was in. Uh, ran a lot of RPOs and um, – We'll get into it later, but that's something that Carolina seems to be interested in. So uh, I think he has all the tools to be an NFL starter, a good NFL starter. He has the speed, athleticism, and the arm strength. Uh, you know, I, I think Willis will be the best quarterback in this draft, but I, it would not surprise me if five years down the road we, we're looking and Matt Corral is the best quarterback out of this draft. I, I'm, I'm really high on Matt Corral. Uh, I wasn't originally, but being able to watch some of his tape and and – you know, compare it to Pickett and other quarterbacks in this class. I really think Corral has what it takes to be a good NFL starter. Um, obviously, he, he has to stay healthy, and he's a little bit smaller than uh, some of these other quarterbacks. So, and he likes to run. So, you know, when, when you're running like he does, and 
you're smaller, you know, that leads to possibilities of being injured. But my uh, my ceiling for Matt Corral, uh, I put Dak Prescott. I think that he could be that kind of quarterback, um, like Dak Prescott, uh, you know, a good thrower that can move when he needs to. And then the floor, I, I kind of struggled with his floor, but I think that, you know, this quarterback doesn't necessarily move like golf or like uh crowd does, but I think his floor is Jared Goff, just the game manager kind of, you know, not really going to get the job done, but he, he makes throws here and there. Um, so I think that that's a good comparison for his floor. So then number three is Kenny Pickett. Um, Pickett, you know, he, anywhere you look, he could be the first number one ranked quarterback. He could be the fifth ranked quarterback. He's all over everybody's board. Nobody really knows. Um, where he's going to go in this draft. But uh, in his final season at Pitt, I thought that he showed what you would expect to see from a fifth-year quarterback. Uh, he's, what, 24 years old coming into this draft. Um, he has efficient arm strength and uh, has the athleticism of others, such as, like, Corral and uh, Sam Howell in this draft class. He throws with good anticip- anticipation, but I thought watching some of his tape that he comes up short on one too many deep balls, and he seems to bail on clean pockets too often. Um, he kind of panics a little bit. And just takes off and, and relies on his run ability, uh, I think, a little too much. Um, he, I, You know, it just has to be mentioned, Pickett has his type of the smallest hands ever measured um, at, for a quarterback at the Combine, and he had 38 fumbles while uh, in his time at Pitt. You know, that's something that you can't just breeze over. Like, 38 fumbles is a, a decent amount. I think he lost, like, 27 of them. But 38 fumbles, he fumbled the ball 38 times. Um, and I think that equates with his hand size. So uh, he has the tools to be a good NFL quarterback, but he will need to be in the right system. Um, I think that he needs to be surrounded with a good offensive line, quick quick passing, and um, and that kind of game. Um, Pickett reminds me of Sam Darnold too much, and I think that's why he's falling down my boards. I think his ceiling is Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think his floor is Sam Darnold, the bad Sam Darnold we saw last season. I think that Pickett could be that guy uh, that – we saw this year um, in the Carolina Panthers. Um, number four, I have Sam Howe. I think that prior to the beginning of last season, um, Sam Howe was projected to be the best quarterback coming into this draft. I think that Sam Howe, um, he's athletic. He has the second best arm strength in this class, just behind Willis. And, you know, he shows good accuracy. Uh, he suffered from a letdown season with UNC. And but I, I I feel like he still put up decent numbers. He rushed for 818 yards and threw for I think 3,500 yards and 24 touchdowns. So he put up decent numbers, but you know his his numbers declined because skill position players left UNC. So he didn't have that much you know talent around him. Um, How was like I mentioned uh, seen as one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best, um, prior to last season coming into this draft. I think that he has all the intangibles that you look for. But it, it's just really the the fact of can he put it all together against NFL talent? I think that Sam Howell reminds me a lot of Baker Mayfield. Um, I think that's his ceiling, uh, the good version of Baker Mayfield. And I think that Sam Howell could be his floor, uh, the bad version of Jameis Winston, um, just throwing the ball up, you know, throwing it deep, hoping for a miracle, throwing in triple coverage, getting it picked off. And then number five, uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, I think Ritter – you know, he he comes from uh, a four-year starter in Cincinnati. He had 44 career wins. Um, there's some issues that showed up uh, on tape with his accuracy and ball placement, but I think Ritter has the ability to process uh, what he sees quickly and to make throws at all three levels of the field. While he looks 
to win from the pocket first, uh, defenses also need to account for his uh, four five two speed. So he has the athleticism, which is the common theme here uh, throughout the top five, that all of these quarterbacks have the ability to run if they need to. Um, but I think Ritter is just – he doesn't have the natural ability that the top three, top four quarterbacks have in this draft of being able to throw uh, off schedule, uh, escapability, and kind of just – making throws when he has to i think pickett or uh ritter would be better suited and just like more of a uh drop back shotgun style offense where you can get the ball out quick kind of like kenny pickett um i think his ceiling is ryan Tannehill, and i think his floor is carson wentz so just going back over his his picks he's got malik willis one matt corral two kenny pickett three sam howell four and then Desmond Ritter, five. I like it. It's different. It's different than most. Um, and it's it's kind of cool because we do have some similarities with some things you said. And I'm glad you said one thing because I wanted to say it. I was hesitant to say it. And then you said it. So we kind of, and again, we didn't go over this, this list beforehand. So it's kind of cool to see. I'm getting, this is my first time seeing this. My number one, and it's been this way for a while um is Kenny Pickett I pros and cons I think he's a good processor he can make pretty much all the throws um played well in a pro style offense he's got mobility um you got to mention the fake slide versus wake um cons to him and this is something I wrote up and it's funny to see now because I started watching some some tape on Pickett in I would say late January early February and then I went back and revisited it about a, a week or so ago um, and one thing I put down in January and then you see it pop up on all these experts what the first thing I put was he gets antsy in a clean pocket which uh, and an unnecessary movement um, which is something that is concerning um, that he definitely needs to get better at um, I also put that he gets happy with his eyes sometimes. He'll stare down a receiver and it'll cost him an interception. Um, another thing, too, that I've noticed, um, and I only saw one or two experts mention this so far, and he gets away with it in college. I don't think he's going to get away with it in the NFL. He likes to throw across his body a lot. Um, and there are top, like, they're good throws, but I just, I don't think at the next level it's going to. It's going to transpire. But just looking at some of the tape, um, I want to throw out a couple examples. The guy, the guy can make some tough throws. You watch the Georgia Tech game. He's rolling to his left, throws off platform across the middle to his right, leads a leads the wide receiver on a touchdown. I mean, the guy, the guy has some special throws. He can make the throw from the left hash all the way across to the right side of the field, which is an NFL type throw. Um his, his ability in the pocket moving, I think, is underrated. A lot of people like to talk about Malik Willis and his and his awareness in the pocket. But you look at Pickett, um, second quarter versus Georgia Tech, a free blitzing corner comes off the edge. He makes the guy miss. Um, he ends up rolling to his right, uh, takes some time to retreat, and hits his wide receiver like 15 yards down the field for a first down. Should have been a sack. Um, but I think his pocket awareness is something he's good at and he doesn't get enough credit for. Um, 
same game, a lot of the Georgia Tech tape. Um, I put in my notes, it was his fifth fucking read. That's literally what I wrote down. His fifth read on a play. Um, scan left. Both wide receivers are covered. He looked the running back way. Then he looked to the wide receiver. Then he scanned across the field and hit his wide receiver in the end zone. It was his fifth read in that play. That's a good um, offensive line, though. <laughs> didn't get antsy. He didn't take off. He stuck with it. And a lot of guys will get antsy. They'll start, they'll run. Um, but a hell of a play. That was NFL type processing. Um, so there are a lot of things I like about Kenny Pickett. I'm not, I don't have a comparison for him. Um, I love him off the field. I listened to his entire interview um, that we've shared a couple of times on our account. And the guy from a young age, I think 12 years old, it was has always dreamed of being a quarterback and worked his ass off to get there. His dad drove him two or three hours a day to go to a, a camp um, to, uh, to train for being a quarterback at 12. And his dream was to be QB one, one day. And I'm, I'm hoping, I know, I know things don't look the way they're going to go right now, but I I would really love Carolina to take him because I think he could be special. I think he's going to be higher than, um, what all these experts think. So real quick, Curtis, real quick, where, where would Kenny Pickett be ranked in last year's class, um, for you? I think he would be ranked in line with what do we add? I would say around Mac Jones. Yeah. So like the fourth or fifth best out of that class. Yeah, he from last year. And that's clear. And you know, one thing I thought was interesting is Pickett was interviewed, uh, or when he was he was asked about why he stayed for that fifth year. And Pickett, Pickett went to the Manning Brothers camp. A lot of quarterbacks go to it. A ton of quarterbacks have gone through the Manning camp. And he had a really good relationship with Peyton Manning. And last year, Pickett actually called, t- texted Peyton Manning and said, where would I go right now? Can you look around? Can you give me a sense of where I would go in this year's draft if I were to, if I were to enter the draft last year? And May- Manning texted a couple GMs and sent them screenshots of what the GMs thought. And Pickett said, I, he didn't reveal exactly what those texts were, but he basically said it wasn't where he wanted to be. So he stayed, he betted on himself. And that's what I like too. The guy betted on himself. There was no guarantee the guy was going to put up 40 touchdowns this year or this past season. There was no guarantee he was going to limit the interceptions. So for a guy to bet on himself and to play as well as he did this past season, I like that. He showed improvement every, um, besides 2020, he's shown improvement in his game. And for a guy to bet on himself, and to succeed the way he did and bring Pitt from really wasn't that great of a program to ACC champions last year, I thought I thought it was impressive. Go, now, shifting gears, I, I have Kenny at one, and then I have 2A and 2B, um, and that's Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Malik Willis, uh, elite, elite throw on the run, cannon of an arm. He's great off-platform. I put his escapability is Lamar Jackson-esque. Like the guy makes people miss. It's it, it's ridiculous. Good zip on the ball. Um, can make every throw. There's no doubt about that. Cons, uh, he's a one read and run type of quarterback. That's going to have to change at the next level. 
Um, and I don't know if it's a fault to him or it's the offense he was in. And this is a lot. You're going to hear this a lot. There's so there's a lot of unknown with this guy because the way the offense was run at Liberty. And that's not a shot at him. He he's he's delivering in the offense he could, but that's unknown to me. I don't I we, I don't know what we're getting out of this. This is a lot of this is a lot of guessing at this point. Um, he doesn't throw a lot between the hashes. He throws a lot outside. That's obviously going to have to change at the next level. Um, and I think at times he tries to do too much, and that can get him into trouble. Um, and that's late sensing pressure. Um, and getting sacked. Um, I agree with you. I think he need, he's like Trey Lance. He needs to be redshirted. I don't think he's going to come in this year. I don't think it's smart for him to come in this year. I think it would be better off for him to sit behind um, a quarterback and let him develop. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just going off of a couple games. You And we put this out on our account. The guy, the Virginia Tech game in 2020, where he spun out of a sack and threw it 50 yard bomb downfield, is it was incredible. Hell of a throw. Um, again, the guy is insane throw on the run. Do you also um, agree with the assessment that he has the highest ceiling in this draft class? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Matt Corral is up there too. We'll get to him in a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Malik Willis. Can, he can throw into tight windows. He had a nice, he had a nice throw. Go back to the Syracuse game. He had a really good throw um, in Syracuse in a double window. Um, just fit it in between two defenders. Really good throw. Um, doing too much. Go to the Syracuse game. He's running around, fumbles it. He should have just pulled it down and took the sack. Again, a guy, a guy trying to do too much with it. Um I think his worst tape was Old Miss, and that's kind of alarming because that's a pretty good football program. Um, he stared down his receivers a lot in that game, had a pick there. Um, he overthrew a screen pass that should have been intercepted. He threw in a triple coverage at the end of the game, threw across his body that ended the game with a pick. That was his worst tape. That's If, if you want to go back and see that, that's the one to look at as far as – but again – the guy has a lot of good tape out there as well. There's, there's this is like Bryson said, and I agree with this. He definitely has the highest ceiling for a quarterback. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's, I don't like the unknown for me going to Matt Corral. And I'm so glad you said this because I literally thought the same thing. And then I'm going around and looking at all everyone else's um, stuff on Matt Corral. And I wasn't seeing the comparison. I'm like, am I crazy on this? Like, am I crazy to say Matt Corral could be a Dak Prescott? And that's what I thought too, dude. That's like, I think Matt Corral, when this is all said and done, could be the best quarterback of this draft too. I think there's a potential there. Again, these it's so hard to predict these guys. And everyone's, even the experts who spend every single day of their life studying this, said the same damn thing. So but I'll tell you what, I, wa I, I watched a couple of games of Mackerel. The guy has the best throw ability in tight windows in the entire draft. The guy can fit the ball into any freaking window possible. I'm, as, when I was watching, I'm like, holy shit. Like, some of the throws he was making were pretty impressive. He's got a quick release. It's part of that, you know, RPO style. Um, 
his size is a little concerning. Um, he's smaller. I think he only weighed at like 204, 205 at the combine. But that's something to watch out for um, because he's had injuries in the past. And at the next level, that's even more worrisome when you're going against the best of the best. But just something to look at. Um, I, I Some of the plays, I mean, he threw a back shoulder dime at the goal line versus Alabama. Like just the wide receiver was blanketed um, and he only threw it where the, the receiver could get. It was a hell of a throw. Um, go to the Louis game, Louisville game. He hit his man on his crossing route, tight window. I put down, a, it was a thing of beauty. It's serious, seriously. Um, his throws are really impressive. Um, so that's where I got Macro. I got him at three. I would put Desmond Ritter at four. I think I did. I, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Sam Howell, but I just love the, the confidence Ritter has. And I think he can win it. He's won at the collegiate level. And I think that might be able to translate into the NFL. And he's, he's won. He's, he's a sneaky guy where I could see Carolina maybe trying to go after him. If they get a second or third round pick, you, you see the ties with Luke fickle at the combine and Matt rule. Um, Joe person reported that the Panthers were impressed with him. And a lot of teams were during his interview process. The guy seems very confident. Um, he backs it up. You know, he's got moxie to him. He's athletic. He's one of the most athletic guys probably behind Malik Willis in this draft. Um, so I would put Ritter at four, and that's a guy I could really see Carolina maybe going after um, in one of the later rounds. And then I, I would put Sam Howell at five. Um, again, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about him, um, but just from what I've been reading, that's where I'm comfortable having him at. And yeah, I think I think that's what we'll I think that's what we'll go with. Now we can discuss this a little bit before we get our guest in here. Um, but again, let's go through it again. So I got Kenny Pickett at one, Malik Willis at two, Matt Corral at three, Desmond Ritter at four, and then Sam Hull at five. And and let me say, let me re-say it again. Two A, I have Malik Willis, two B, I have Matt Corral. I think they're really close. Um, and then Bryson, just going back over his again, Malik Willis, one corral two, Pickett three, Howell four, Ritter five. Bryson real quick here. If Carolina takes QB in the first round, are you going to be disappointed if it's Pickett? No, I'm not. Uh, I, like I've mentioned before, um, don't want to watch Sam Darnold for another season. Um, I would prefer for it to be Malik Willis or Matt Corral, but I won't be disappointed because it'll be hope. It'll be excitement to see if, you know, potentially he could be the best quarterback out of this draft. And I don't think anybody's denying Kenny Pickett's ability that he's shown in his last season at Pitt, but it's just the hand size scares me. Um, and – his arm strength, really. Uh, I think it's adequate, but I'm not sure if it's going to be good enough. So uh, for, for the NFL, that is. Um, so I won't be disappointed, but um, like I was last season when they passed on fields for Horn, but I will be, I guess, kind of 
not as excited as I would be uh, for um, Willis, especially, um, but Corral as well. Yeah, and I'll answer for Willis. I honestly won't be disappointed in any of the QBs they take. I want them to take one. <laughs> I really do. I think we're both kind of on the same page there, yeah. at least of them same taking here. one. Um, if it is Willis, I think they're going for the long term and the what what could he be? And if that turns out, that is one hell of a hats off to them because <laughs> to to get a guy of that caliber um, with so many unknowns and him to become a star like Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen or, a, you know, a guy of that caliber, I think would be really exciting and would definitely bring energy back to this team without a doubt. I think the consensus around Panthers fans is Willis without a doubt from what I see on Twitter. Um, I agree. I think, yeah. he, I, th- I think like, like I mentioned, he just reminds Panthers fans of Cam Newton. Like he, he played on uh, Cam Newton 7v7 team, I think, and um, has looked up to Cam Newton with a picture, a famous picture floating around with him and Cam Newton taking a picture together. I think that it just reminds Carolina fans and, and me, especially that, um, you know, that could be our next Cam Newton. I'll be honest. So I don't get, I don't understand the, and I'm not saying you do this, but there are fans out there that just a visceral hate for Pickett. I don't get it because I've I've watched his some of I've watched his stuff, and I feel like sometimes people just get something in their mind because everyone else is talking about it, and then they start latching onto that idea, and then just go with it. You know what I mean? And that I don't I don't get it. There are people, and, and maybe we'll get into this next week, but. I don't understand the immediate hate and like this guy's going to be terrible because we don't know. None of us do know and what yeah. guy is actually going to. And, and, and really, these teams are hoping they know, but do they really know either? Not really. Um, so for me, I always just try to look at it through face value and just make my own opinion off of what I see. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to. I think, you know, you can't deny his ability that he's shown in his last season at Pitt. I mean, he broke Dan Marino's record and had the most passing touchdowns in ACC college football history. So I, I he's obviously got some ability there. Um, I think, like I mentioned in my rankings, he kind of just gives off Sam Darnold vibes. And I can't blame Carolina Panthers fans who get those vibes from him to kind of just not like him. But I think that Pickett – definitely has the ability to be the best quarterback in this draft. Um, can he overcome his hand size? I don't know. The last good quarterback with hands that small, eight and a half inch, were, was Michael Vick. So, um, And we saw what Michael Vick could do um, besides throw the ball. So we'll see. Um, I, like I said, I wouldn't be disappointed. I would, I would, I would have hope, but um, I just prefer others. Now let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, Bryson, this week, we did not plan this, folks, but somehow this happened. This has not happened yet, but we both are drinking the same beer. Didn't tell each other about it. We just picked it out, and this is what came to be. 
This is an Asheville original craft beer. It's called Peachful, inspired by the South's favorite fruit. This ale showcases the soft sweetness of ripe peaches. What is this? 4% alcohol. No, 5.2% alcohol. It is really good. I, I'm not a lot. I, wasn't, I haven't been a big fan of Highland Brewing um, drinks, but I actually really like this beer. It's pretty dang good. It got on pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, like our uh, Corral and that comparison, uh, it being the same before talking about the podcast, we were drinking the exact same beer. And uh, I, I agree. It is very good. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of Highland Brewing stuff, so uh, I can't say if, you know, if I liked it one way or the other before drinking it, but uh, it is, they say it's a fresh and fruity ale. And I think that's a, a good explanation um, I, on the higher end of alcohol content too. Like you mentioned, 5.2%. I do recommend it and I, it is a seasonal one. So I'm not sure how long it'll be out, but if you see it at your grocery store, pick it up and give it a try. Yeah, I bet you this thing is good on a hot summer day, maybe golfing on a Saturday. This is this would be a good <laughs> this would be a good freaking We'll have to give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every week wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe and rate us. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And, of course, watch out for the giveaways throughout the season. And, as always, 